So Taylor, we're doing what we normally do around this time of the year, which is to predict what might happen in the marketing and tech and sales space every new year. We've done this for the last two years. Some of our predictions did come pass, come to pass and some did not. But I think uh, we want to kind of see what we're expecting to see in 2023 in the field of marketing and sales. So that's what the topic for our podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a fun exercise. You get to be a little bit creative and, and throw out some wild predictions, but also some predictions based on actual data and trends that we're seeing. So I'll, I'll kick things off. My first prediction for 2023 in the marketing space is that actually companies will start to spend less on paid ad spend. So this is something that I think we're starting to see a trend with uh, companies realizing that maybe these paid channels aren't as effective as they used to be. Um, you know, we just saw uh, that both Facebook and Google missed their uh, Q3 earnings uh, numbers on the earnings report, which is directly correlated to the actual ad spend. It's those companies, as we know, both make the majority of the revenue on paid ads and paid advertising from organizations. We've seen firsthand data from our clients that uh, channels like Facebook are less effective. And Google, same thing. Companies saw some immediate success. And traditionally, Google has been the first platform that uh, maybe skeptical CEOs or skeptical CMOs would invest into when it comes to marketing, because it was typically very black and white, right? It was, we spent X number of dollars, we got X in return, because it's very bottom of the funnel, very uh, performance, direct response type marketing. But we're seeing trends and we're seeing things change and, and it's only getting more expensive. Uh, it's getting more competitive, it's getting more expensive, and it's getting harder to reach our audiences because of changes in policies, because of changes in consumer behavior. Uh, so I think we're already starting to see these trends. There's not a ton of data out on it yet. Um, but I would say that if you look at a lot of uh, corporations and businesses that were in the past couple of years ramping up year over year, their paid ad spend. I think looking at the state of the economy and looking at the state of those two platforms in particular, Facebook, Google, I would predict that next year, 2023, those same companies would actually spend less and kind of scale back their paid ad spend. Yeah, I think it's kind of the opposite of our first prediction from 2021, which was that we'll see an increase in digital spend across marketers. Uh, and I think, I don't know if it has something to do with the economy as a whole, because I know there's a there's a lot of uncertainties. There's a lot of tech companies also laying off employees. So, so there's probably a little bit of uncertainty. That's probably why people are being a little bit more careful about how they're spending their dollars. But I also think, like you said, the privacy has made it difficult for people to target on paid platform. And I think with uh, iOS 14 and, uh, and newer updates that are actually making it even more difficult. And then also just the, the GDPR compliance and all these other requirements from government agencies making it even more difficult to, to have information about who's on your side, who's uh, engaging with your content, who's engaging with your paid ads and things of that nature. So I think that's part of the reason or uh, a couple of the other predictions that we're going to have maybe actually improving the overall performance of the paid right. spend that they're not having to spend just an ungodly amount of money yeah. on ads. I think that's uh, the biggest piece, right? It's not necessarily mm -hmm. that the total ad spend is going to go down because marketing is not as effective, but I think there was, there's a lot of wasted ad spend, right? And so mm -hmm. I think a shift in how that money is being spent. And as you mentioned, if you're more efficient and effective with that ad spend, then you don't have to spend as much, or you can look at other channels that, that you can spend. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, most certainly. So that's prediction one. Absolutely. So what's your, your first prediction, Sam? What I'm 
starting to uh, see this is taking a lot of steam because influencer marketing has been around for a, a long time for in the consumer space, but in the B2B, that hasn't been a very big uh, push. But I'm starting to see the B2B is starting to adapt the, the importance of influencer marketing. So I believe B2B marketers are going to spend a lot of money and energy on influencer marketing. For the listeners, mm-hmm. yeah, how would you define an influencer in the B2B space? Because I think as we look at it, we think of influencers, we think of the the women on TikTok or Instagram or those type of things in terms of influencer marketing. So mm-hmm. in the B2B space, how is this applicable and who would typically be an influencer? Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, it's, it isn't about showing off your new whatever you bought, whatever your outfit or colors or whatnot, right? I think this is about su- subject matter experts, thought leaders in the space, whether they have a podcast audience or they're influencer on LinkedIn, expressing a lot of their experience from their prior jobs or their career and expressing their knowledge and expertise and teaching people, right? Those experts are actually going to be making recommendations about products or services or companies that they're using or that they believe is an up and coming company, right? And there's a lot of people following that. If Gary V were to mention a company, I believe there's a lot of people that would take his word and go invest into it. John Barrows has a pretty massive audience. He talks a lot about the technology products for sales organizations, right? So if he mentions, hey, the next best you know sales outreach tool is this, or the next best place to get the best target data for your prospecting, people are going to pick up on his word and actually go try that. So I think, because what do we want? We're human beings. We actually want other people's experience to kind of guide our decision-making criteria, right? So if we know somebody who we trust and follow, what are we people like, right? We're, we buy from people we like and trust. And so if we're yeah. following a subject matter expert who's sharing uh, their experience about a product, we're more likely to go try that. So I think B2B marketers are going to start spending money with those sort of influencers and giving them an opportunity to share their experience using your product or services. Uh, which I think is going to see an uh, increase. And look at it, like G2 Crowd and Captera and all those platforms are having so many reviews and people go read those reviews and then make their buying decisions, which is in some sense a little bit of an influencer-led marketing. Yeah, I think that goes hand in hand with the, the prediction right, that I just made. If, if companies are spending less on ad spend, well, where are they spending that money to be effective? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think the last two years, actually, I predicted that companies were going to hire and retain internal talent with the title of kind of brand evangelist. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that happen. You and I both have had numerous conversations this year with people with that title called brand mm-hmm. evangelist, which maybe we've never heard of before, never seen before. So I think there's two ways, right? If you look at, okay, how do we reach our audience from a thought leadership perspective, as you mentioned, and how do we build a community? Well, you can either tap into an existing community, I would call that as an influencer, right? So as you mentioned, if there's an industry leading podcast, if there's somebody who's leading the charge or leading the conversation in your industry, and you can join that conversation and tap into that audience, that reach can be much more effective than just, you know, running a paid ad or even advertising on that same podcast, right? If you can be as a guest on that podcast. So I think there's a big trend in that and a focus in that and a shift towards that. And then the other side of that is, okay, can we internally build that conversation? So maybe you wouldn't call that an influencer, right? If you're building, mm-hmm. you are internally your own influencer. But I think that's, you know, you, you look at it and it's just semantics there of, okay, well, we're going to build our own community by this brand evangelist internally, who's a subject matter expert, who's an advocate for our entire product category in our industry. Mm-hmm. And of course, our company, then that person is by default becoming an influencer. So I agree with that, whether you want to call it influencer marketing or not, obviously in the B2B space, as marketers, we like to coin our own terms and, and try mm-hmm. to differentiate ourselves from B2C. So it doesn't seem as gimmicky, if you will. 
but I certainly see that trend happening, and I believe that can come true as well. Yeah, when you mentioned about owning your own the conversation, I think that's why a lot of the tech companies are buying media, becoming a media company, or starting their own. Which I don't know if our audience kind of know. I mean, HubSpot is created something on HubSpot Creators, where they are, you know, the rising stars in the podcast community. They're actually acquiring those podcasts and then controlling the content being produced and, and creating their own audience in the interest of obviously promoting the HubSpot's ecosystem of products, sure. right? And then also possibly other tech products that they probably yeah. plan to invest into. Sure, yeah, I guess there's always a third option, right? I said you could build your own audience or you could tap into someone else's. You could also apparently acquire an audience, right, as a third option. So, yeah, perfect. I'll say my next prediction here. I think that there is going to be a larger focus this year in the coming years on what we would call marketing operations or revenue operations. Traditionally, you see this in sales operations, right? Mm -hmm. um, Salesforce was for a long time the go-to, the, the dominant player in the CRM space. And there's a whole ecosystem and industry built around supporting Salesforce, right? Salesforce administrators internally, Salesforce consultants externally, and that's just one tool, right? Over the last 10 years, the MarTech landscape has exploded. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, in my opinion, kind of reached a bubble. There's a tool for everything and there's too many tools. And we see the big companies are recognizing this trend. And you look at uh, Adobe and you look at HubSpot. HubSpot is obviously trying to build all of that internally, right? So rather than mm -hmm. plug and play all these different tools, they're going to build an ecosystem of, of tools themselves through sales, service, marketing, CMS, have that all in one platform. And there's still a whole ecosystem of third-party plugins and integrations. And all these other companies like Adobe, Salesforce, they're acquiring you know, other companies, right? Because they realize that marketers, sales professionals, the developers, support team, uh, internal operations, back office you know, operations, accounting, there's a lot of different tools that are trying to connect everything. So I think that there's going to be a bigger focus on organization structure uh, you know, where do these different departments roll up to? Who owns what? Especially if it's all in one tool, right? How could you say as an organization, who owns HubSpot? Because there's the marketing tools, there's developers in there, probably IT professionals, there's salespeople. So I think there's going to be a, a larger focus and emphasis on uh, understanding what revenue operations means for your organization in terms of the, the org chart, the org structure, the processes that we put in place the technologies and the data that we're able to gain and the insights we're able to gain from all these. So we live in such a disconnected world when it comes to technologies, it's going to be a bigger focus on connecting those and connection, mm. which I think is going to require a, a unique skill set of, again, organizational and process driven structure that's led by technology, which again, I would put that under the category of revenue operations. Yeah, I think the goal is, right, how do we stretch every dollar that we're investing into our sales marketing as customer success, and how do we get most out of it? In the past, right, I don't think every company just had their own disconnected systems to manage all of that, right? Salespeople were just completely on their own little island, maybe tracking their activities and their opportunities, and then that was it. And then marketing was doing completely something else, and maybe even there, they didn't have any connected apps. Mostly the email marketing probably was one, and then social media publishing is another one. And then sometimes they're using the reporting and analytics tool as part of that respective yeah. platform. And then the customer success may or may not even had a, a ticketing system. They were dealing with emails and phone calls, so all disconnected from each other. And they had to even ask every time someone calls in, like, hey, what's your company name? What's your account ID? All of those things. We as consumers and customers have become so spoiled. When I call American Airlines, I expect American Airlines to know, hey, Samuel, 
and they know me by just by my phone number and they、mm-hmm. actually say, "Hey, are you calling about this upcoming, you know, travel that you have?" And are you trying to make a change to your trip, or do you want to make another reservation? They almost know why I'm calling, and I don't have to stay in line. And they actually call me back if I'm not willing to wait 40 minutes on the call. Yeah. So I think if we're all expecting that in the B2B world as well, I think people are expecting that if I made a purchase, they better know who I am. I don't want to explain seven times and authenticate myself to get access to my own information. So I think all of that is actually forcing people to have more of a Centralized way to organize all this data, right? And then also, how do we make sure that the customer experience across every customer touchpoint is synchronized and better? So, which is forcing all these on marketers and sales leaders and organizations. So, I think there's that push toward making that experience better, which is why I think marketing is not only for the people that are writing content or thinking of creative campaign ideas. It's also the technology that plays a part in how that messaging get get delivered to their customers. Same、yeah. thing with salespeople too, and also it's productivity as well, right? Improving the overall performance of the entire team. How do we maximize the resources we have? So I, I hear you 100. I think there's going to be a big push toward this. Absolutely, absolutely, perfect. So what is our fourth、uh, marketing prediction for 2023? Yeah, I think I had something very similar to this last year as well. I think the AI-driven sales and marketing, right? Like、uh, we're going to see a lot more push toward adapting technology. That is driven by AI, which I think is also in line with what you said earlier. The paid ad spend isn't decreasing because there are smarter ways to spend and optimize the dollars. That's one way. But also, when you talk about RevOps, organizations are investing in the technology that actually improves the organizational efficiency. And I think overall adoption of AI to do marketing and sales. We're seeing platforms that are coming into to the places like Metadata.io,、uh, Sixth Sense, Jasper, Copy.ai. There's a lot of platforms that are coming out that actually does a lot of AI-driven predictive recommendation on what the best subject lines to use, what the best time to send the email, what the best way to、uh, optimize your ad campaigns, and automatically creating campaign creatives based on the different parameters that you give, or even Performance Max campaign that Google rolled out just about、uh, almost a year now,、uh, but I think it was earlier this year that they made it available to almost every ad、uh, account owners. Right where Google is starting to just decide for the advertiser where the, where they should spend the dollars, where the ad should be displayed, and based on the performance and engagement, they actually want optimized for conversion. So I think the AI is going to take center stage even more in the days ahead, and this is actually could make our life a lot easier. And some jobs are going to be eliminated because you don't need someone to go sit you know sits there day and night looking at oh I need to go. Add these keywords to negative. I need to go add these keywords to my exact match or whatnot. Or I don't need a person to sit there and write me seven different versions to write a、uh, headline for a copy because I have an AI tool that can do do it for me in thirty seconds. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I believe is going to be a big priority, or at least a big change that we're going to see in our space. Sure. Yeah. So this is one that I don't know if I'm completely on board with yet in terms of this prediction.、Uh, I think AI to me is.、Um, It's close, but it's not there. And I think there's probably a place for it, like you said. When is the data-driven stuff about when is the right time to send an email and ways to A/B test automatically A/B test subject lines and all those type of things. In terms of creative, the imagery, the copywriting, I don't know. I think if there might be a shift towards that, and then I can see a correction in the market. Right? I can see a lot of companies saying, "Well, this isn't as important," and then the companies that are hyper-focused on the creative and they actually spend the resources to Do it are going to stand out even more because it's the same thing that we've seen with written copy. People 
you realize they need to write copy, then they outsource all the copy. Uh, and then now you can't stand out from an SEO standpoint because everybody's just writing the same copy and over and over and over. I actually saw it was pretty funny the other day. It was this AI image generator image and somebody had said they wanted a picture of a salmon swimming in the stream. And the AI image actually was a filet of salmon that was just sitting on top of the water, right? So technically it was a salmon in the stream, but they, the AI engine didn't recognize that whenever you look at most pictures of salmon online, it's a filet, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's a prepared meal versus the actual salmon swimming in the wild. So that's kind of what I've seen, even, you know, the, the tools that we've seen with the AI copywriting, like it just, something's off. Right. And I think as, as humans, we can recognize it right now, not to say it's not going to get better. But right now it's, yes, that is an image of X, Y, or Z, or yes, that is a, a sentence that I can comprehend, but it doesn't seem right. And so I think if a lot of companies kind of mail it in when it comes to their creative, again, the companies that are focusing on their in-house creative are, are going to stand out. But I do certainly know and understand that from sales perspective, predictive dialing, marketing standpoint, in terms of predictive analytics and data, AI is going to play a big role in that. But I think companies are going to get, maybe in terms of prediction, maybe they'll get a little too gung-ho on AI and there'll be a bit of a correction when not all AI tools and technologies are top of the line. Yeah, but I think if you think about it, I totally hear you in terms of creatives. It might be difficult to use AI to just whip out a bunch of graphics that is going to perform best. And that might really still requires a, a really nice <laughs> human being who has some experience designing nice yeah. Headlines and images, but I do think we don't have to overthink. Oh, what's the best time to send our newsletter? I think our technology is going to be reading sure. uh, or checking when most people are opening the email and say, "Well, after 11:55 a.m., when people have a little bit of a downtime, that's when they most likely to open the email and read it." Or you know, this subset of our audience actually tend to yeah. read our emails. Which who knows? It might be. It might come down to the individual preferences, right? We may get to a point where. I know that Samuel checks his email every morning and, and Taylor checks his email every afternoon and Johnny checks their email throughout the day. So that same email campaign might deliver the email to you in the morning, <coughs> me in the afternoon and somebody else at noon, right? So I could see that happening for sure as the, the platforms themselves, the delivery platforms get more sophisticated. Basically, I think overall, there's probably going to be a little bit of investment from every company on how can we leverage AI to improve their mm. overall marketing and sales efforts. Absolutely. So my a third prediction for 2023 uh, is that companies will continue the trend of bringing content in-house. So I have seen this as a trend. Unfortunately, I don't have a ton of stats to back it up, but I've seen it with companies that we work with every day and we work with, you know, hundreds, hundreds of companies every year in terms of understanding their marketing strategy and helping them implement a marketing strategy. So I do believe that companies are going to have a higher focus on bringing content in-house. We talk about what's going on with the economy and maybe people might look at that as well. They're not going to hire people in-house, but I actually think there's a bigger risk of outsourcing your content when it comes to marketing. If as marketers, you truly understand the impact that that would have on your marketing campaigns and on your growth. And the content is a huge piece of all of this, right? If we talk about what you said, influencer marketing or creating a conversation, creating an industry leading podcast, creating a video series, creating written text, social media text. Like if we're going to spend less on paid ads, then that means the focus needs to be on the quality of the content and what we're producing. So I think more companies will spend more time creating less volume of content, higher quality of content. And the best way to do that is to create your own in-house 
content generation engine, which comes down to hiring and training and retaining in-house subject matter experts and creative experts, right? When it comes to, we need to produce this content in different formats in order for it to stand out and to best articulate and deliver our message. So I think there's some things that you simply can't outsource anymore. And I think content is quickly becoming one of those, especially if you want to prove to your customer that you really know what you're talking about, you need to be the one talking about it. Yeah. And I think you can outsource, right? If you're especially going to have videos and podcast, you have to be the person that's speaking or at least the subject matter expert in your company right. that's on camera or on, on a podcast. I think you can fake that with blogs, right? Maybe you can have like a Zoom call with someone who's a writer and sit there and have that writer kind of ghostwrite that content. That would have probably worked with just blogs. But I think with more and more of us actually wanting to watch content on any of these social platforms, whether in the short form or in the long form content, or almost all of us are probably a listener of podcasts of some sort, and we're all listening to subject matter expert and the topics that we're trying to learn more about. So I think that is going to make it increasingly more difficult to just outsource content yeah. production. And I think, like you said, if you're trying to become a category leader or an industry expert in a specific subject, then you need to be the spokesperson. You are closest to the problem, closest to the customer, closest to the industry trend. You have a lot more insights about what's actually happening, and you need to be the one sharing that to the audience. So I can see that being a very, very big shift in how marketers are actually creating content in the days ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Sam, what's your uh, third and final uh, marketing prediction for 2023? So I think this is more than a prediction. Is that I think it's becoming more of a reality. Even today, attribution will become even more difficult. I remember way back in the day, we used to ask, how did you hear about us? And then we saw as more and better tracking became available, whether through just natively how Google Analytics is able to track or using some sophisticated platform like HubSpot. If the prospect came to your website, read the blog three times, came back and consumed some other content and came back one day and downloaded an ebook, three months later came back and submitted a form for demo request, you saw the entire journey of that customer in that form fill, right? And say, hey, they started this journey about three months ago, finally yeah. they converted. So you didn't really need to ask them, like, how did you hear about us? Because it was very trustworthy what these platforms were able to do. Even just recently, we were having a conversation with about one of our paid clients and we were trying to optimize based on IP address of conversions. But then our paid team said, no, we can't trust that anymore because the IP address being listed is not the actual IP of the person that converted. Because apparently from HubSpot's um, audience data, we were not seeing the same performance that we've, we saw in the past. So what I'm saying is I think it's becoming increasingly difficult to, to trust the conversion data because of the way how the people are actually opting in for privacy. And then you're also starting to see organizations are using form fills that says, how did you hear about us? Because we, people want self-reported attribution. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's any more accurate, but at least people remember where they last saw you and then they submit that. At least you can start to compare like, okay, they heard us on a podcast and that's how they heard about us. Yeah. But then our attribution software shows us that they actually came direct. So it could be that, yeah, they heard it on a podcast, but then actually converted directly because they just came to the company website and filled out a form. So the yeah. original source is probably that podcast, right? So I think trying to you know find some correlation between what the software is reporting and also what the people are self-reporting is the only way to kind of get to the bottom of how people are hearing about our brand and how they're finding it. So I think just in general, we just need to not overly focused on the attribution and just write off an entire channel or write off in a specific tactic 
that saying that doesn't work anymore because you just never know how people are finding it. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway, right? This is something we've been preaching for a while, which is kind of funny because as you mentioned, as a digital agency, five years ago, it was kind of embarrassing if you had a, a, a how did you hear about us drop down <laughs> on your form? Because you're like, well, you don't have the tools and technologies <laughs> to figure that out. But I think we're realizing more and more that as there's more channels, there's more ways that people are communicating and consuming information that it's just not a linear path, right? Uh, especially in the B2B space, we're talking about longer, more considered purchases, bigger ticket items. These are purchases, if you're talking about software or equipment, these have long ranging implications on how your company runs their business, right? So it, it's not a quick decision impulse buy. So you can't Typically, you can't point to one piece of content or one piece of your marketing campaign that's okay, that is what we give the credit to, which if you're leveraging, as you mentioned, the attribution tools, I would say 90% of the time it's going to go to direct or organic channels, right? Because at, if you think about it logically, when someone has done all their research, they've consumed your podcast, watched your videos, talked to their peers about their experience in working with you or your solution, they've gone on G2 and read reviews, they've done all these sorts of things, right? Then they just go to directly to your website or they go to Google. And that coupled with the changes in iOS and cookie data and all these kind of things, the data is almost always just going to show, okay, this is where that lead came from. We understand that. So we're going to add this idea of self-reported attribution. Uh, that's great. But then what does that data tell you, right? If you analyze that data and it says, I learned about you from your podcast, or I learned about you from word of mouth, or I heard about you from a friend or colleague, I saw an ad on Instagram, right? So what I don't want companies to do is then have that same knee jerk reaction about those answers, right? Well, okay, we got 20 new customers this year from podcasts, so let's just do podcasts and cut everything else. Again, you can't pinpoint one piece of content or the impact of one piece of content because you could hyper-focus and say, well, the best piece of content we created was this one blog post or this one LinkedIn post because we got three customers from that. So let's just keep doing that over and over. You're like trying to catch lightning in a bottle, right? You need to look at it from the macro scale and say, okay, what do all of these channels have in common, right? And it goes back to what we talked about earlier is what I would imagine is it's you're getting better results on things that are conversation leading, industry leading, thought leadership, those type of things versus the first time they heard about us was from a Google ad, right? I would take all of that data, like I said, at a macro scale and look at it, okay, well, what can we do with this self-reported attribution? We can double down on channels that focus on brand awareness and demand generation versus just trying to capture whatever existing demand is out there through organic search or paid search, because that's not as effective as we once thought it was, but it's still important. I still wouldn't cut those channels, right? Mm -hmm. I would just be hyper-focused with our spend and, and the type of keywords that we're focusing on. So again, you can look at it whatever way you want, but what companies traditionally did was, okay, we look at the data for the attribution tools. Number one channels is organic search and paid search, cut all these other channels, right? So what I don't want companies to do is the same thing with the self-reported and say, you know, what if 60% of your leads came from referrals and word of mouth? Would you say, well, that just happens naturally. So let's just cut all of our marketing spend. No, you have to look at, well, how do we create more discussions around word of mouth and referral? How do we turn our customers into our best 
salespeople, right? Well, can we invest more heavily into case studies? Can we create some sort of a competition to share those case studies and focus on user-generated content? Is there a way that we can build out a referral program and spend money and energy there, right? So you have to look at that data and then ask yourself, how can we, how can we expand on that? Not necessarily, let's just cut everything else and hope for the best. Yeah, most certainly. And I think we did an entire podcast around dark social and dark funnel, and we even have a webinar about this topic. We went in a little bit more into details about this, but I couldn't agree with you more because I think there's no way to know where your prospective buyers are. They're everywhere, right? They're, they're consuming content across all these platforms. You just have to be present everywhere. I know it sounds a little far stretched and very demanding on an organization, but unfortunately that's the reality and you just need to admit it and you can't just prefer one over the other. But at the end of the day, what you really want is can we direct all these people back to our website and give them a much better user experience, provide them great value and resources while they're on our website. That's what I think you need to do. Use every platform to use for awareness and reach and then get them to come back and convert on our site. And that may look as if though they were all direct traffic to our site, which majority of our customers are starting to see a bigger chunk of their traffic just reported as direct. Yeah. Which is a good sign that some of the other things that we're doing is actually working. Well, the and right. And that's what you have to kind of understand as an organization is like, what are leading indicators versus our lag measures, right? What you're going to see, like you said, as a, def as a result of focusing more on organic channels, you could even say, okay, we're going to trade shows, right? Maybe we're not buying a booth because we realize that it's not worth it, but we're going to trade shows so that we can be seen and be known. And we're going to spend money on display or we're going to spend money on videos for YouTube. And our goal is to be a guest on a hundred podcasts this year. And so you look at all of that and then your customer might not even really realize where they heard about you first, mm -hmm. right? Maybe one that was the most memorable, but then that person told their colleague, who's the actual decision maker who reached out to you. So what are you going to see? You are going to see an increase in direct traffic. You are going to see an increase in branded searches through search console and through search engine tools, those type of things. And you are going to see an increase in direct and organic traffic. So maybe even paid traffic, right? People, your branded campaigns on paid are, you're going to show up. So you have to do all of those things to cast that net. And like you said, push people back to not even just your website, but your, all of your web properties. At the end of the day, what you want them to do is consume your content. You want them to know who you are and understand what you do so that when the time is right, that they need a solution that you provide, you're one of the first people that they think of, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to accomplish uh, as marketers. And if you just focus on that bottom of the funnel demand, you're missing the whole point there. So I completely agree with that. And I think we're going to see those trends as well. Our seventh, my final marketing prediction, kind of a bonus one here for you. Uh, so final marketing prediction for 2023 is that there's going to be a larger focus on first party data. This is something we've seen a lot of data tools out there, but again, look at what's happening. Apple with iOS, Google, Facebook, hugely impacted by GDPR and cookies and consent. As users, we want privacy, right? And there's legislature even going into place, right? So whenever the government's getting involved in terms of what's happening with our marketing campaigns, things are changing, right? So as organizations, as companies that have relied on data to reach their audience, and primarily they've focused on reaching their audience on paid because it was very easy. You could, you could buy data and you could target your audience and the platforms themselves, Facebook were extremely capable and extremely powerful when trying to reach particular audiences based on behavior based on explicit data that they had, well, we're seeing those things change, right? So with that shift, what can companies do to adapt? They can focus on first party data. And so I think 
first party data is going to be a, a bigger emphasis for companies both in B2B and certainly in the B2C space. And so I think that'll be a big trend for 2023 and beyond is building up their own database of, of data. Yeah, I think we had a guest uh, very recently that actually touched on this whole topic, the customer data and storing all of that from all these different platforms. I think it also starts with an email list too. That's still a first party data, right? Because if you think about Facebook, Instagram, or any of these platforms, you can't migrate the following that you have on those platforms. You don't own them. Google can decide to change their algorithm tomorrow and you can use the reach. They could still be following you, but they can just say, hey, the audience are not going to see the message that you post which we saw with Facebook, right? We're seeing that you can have a pretty massive following on your Facebook page, but the reach is very minimal and people having to spend dollars to even just promote the organic content that they're putting out on Facebook just to increase the reach. So all of that is also forcing people to make sure that they own the customer data and own their audience data. So, yep, I couldn't agree with you more. If you are not already doing it, I think you should be thinking of how can we actually start to get our first body data and leverage that in all your sales and marketing efforts. And this ties back to the point and the prediction that I made about revenue operations, right? There's a bigger emphasis on first party data. Then we have to look at that in terms of what are we doing with that data? Once we're collecting it, how do we understand behavioral data, what our customers are doing, purchase behavior, what are indicators, what data are indicators of someone that is willing to or likely to make a purchase, right? So all of these type of things are going to be leveraged across again, B2B and B2C. Um, certainly companies in the e-commerce space have been focusing on this for years because you want to know how to prioritize activities, both on the marketing and sales side. And again, as you said, it's going to be collectively as an organization brought into things like service and support should be able to see as a software company, like with pretty good certainty, we have five or six different data points that point to this customer is going to churn, right? They're likely to churn. So how do we get out in front of that? So I think this goes beyond just acquiring new customers. This goes to the entire life cycle of a customer from the first time they hear about you until they've been a customer for 10 years. That first party data is going to be a big emphasis. So that's a wrap for our, our 2023 marketing predictions. Let us know in the comments. If you feel like we missed anything, what are your predictions? This is one of our, again, one thing that we love about doing this is we want to hear from you on your predictions for 2023 and beyond, or if you think that we're wrong, you think we missed the mark, you're not going to offend us, let us know in the comments and let's start a discussion. At the end of the day, these are predictions, which means it's a good way of saying they're guesses. So uh, yeah, we have some data and we have some observations that we've seen that make us believe that these are going to come true, but it's also just for fun and for conversation. So if you have some predictions or you think we were off the mark on some of our predictions, let us know. Please like and subscribe to the podcast, comment. It helps a lot with the algorithms, share with a friend or a colleague, and of course, tune in next week for a new episode. Growth Marketers is brought to you by One IMS, helping you reach new heights through integrated marketing. One world, one web, one IMS.